invitation when you come up and it says, are you ready? Well, whether this meets that expectation or not, it certainly is an exciting Sunday for us and I am uh, personally incredibly enthusiastic about what God is doing in our church right now and what this next chapter could be for us. And as I say this, I got to welcome our, we have our Cedar Lake campus, our HP campus are joining us uh, through the live stream right now. And uh, I pre-recorded actually most of this material for our Gary campus and they're getting it uh, as well this morning. But uh, all of our campuses today are, are sharing news. And again, if you're visiting with us today, it could be like a great Sunday to be visiting. Come back again and, and kind of get a normal Sunday with us. Uh, we'd love to have you. But this is, again, kind of a family chat. Every once in a while, families have to have little powwows, right, where they just say, okay, here's where we are, here's, here's where we're going, and let's make sure that we're all on the same page. And uh, so what I want to do today is I want to begin where we, we always desire to begin, and that is with Scripture, okay? So let's begin with Scripture before we get into some of these details. And if you have a Bible, you could turn there to uh, Matthew 28. This past year, we, had a, we did a long series from the Gospel of Matthew on the kingdom of God, and we saw that this message about the kingdom was one of Jesus' main themes. He would go into villages, and he would tell them about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God was at hand. And we said, you know, for Jesus talking about it so much, so few of us seem to like even know what it is. And so we spent time in the Gospel of Matthew we saw that the kingdom of God is the redemptive reign of God through Christ. It is a real kingdom. It is presently a spiritual kingdom as the power of Jesus by the Holy Spirit through the gospel transforms us from the inside. To become a, a Christian is to pledge allegiance to Jesus. And by the power of God, God transfers our citizenship out of the kingdom of darkness and death and hell into the kingdom of light and life, indeed eternal life. This is God's grace to us. It is the fruit of Jesus' death on the cross for us that makes all of this possible. It is a real kingdom. Someday it will be a kingdom that fills every inch of the universe as every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord so he is the king of kings right now. He is the Lord of lords right now. We don't physically see his authority. We see the fruit of it. We see the effect of the kingdom of God. Uh, but it oftentimes feels like the other kingdom is winning. You read the news, the other kingdom is winning. You hear the words of Jesus, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, but it sure seems like the gates of hell are prevailing all too often. And that is where we come to the Bible and we see in Holy Scripture, what is the truth? And the reality is that Jesus is king. He is king. And that this kingdom of God is to be our highest priority. Here's Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. More than anything else in our life, we are to be living for the priorities of the kingdom of God and ultimately the king, to live for his priorities in our life. This is what it means to be a Christian. Well, King Jesus gave us a final command, a final commission, and what we're looking at today, this is, this is the prime directive. Now, there's a lot of things that churches are to be doing and God's people are to be doing, 
But the prime directive is summarized here in these very famous words by, by Jesus. And I pick it up now, Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if we were to just outline this, break this down, we would see that Jesus begins with the empowerment for ministry. Notice, all authority has been given unto me, now go, or therefore, go. So the church exists and ministers with authority that Jesus himself has deputized to us. We walk in his authority. This is the kingdom of God and, and gospel ministry is not about you and I being smart or our resources or uh, pr- primarily about anything that we bring to the table. This is, this is God's doing. The kingdom of God is, is God's doing, like a mustard seed, so small, so seemingly insignificant, yet it grows into a tree that fills the sky. The kingdom of God is like that. God is empowering it. He is the one that is, that is doing it. Now, Jesus says all authority has been given unto me. You can look at that and say, wait a second, I thought he already had all authority. I mean, like, wasn't he already the son of God when he was in, the, uh, you know, in those swaddling clothes? Was he not already the son of God? And yes, obviously, is the answer to that. Did he not have authority? Yes, he had authority. He said to the storm, you know, peace be still, and he raised the dead and expressed authority in this world. But in the spheres of authority, the, when Jesus was on earth, God the Father ruled over, he- over heaven, and Satan ruled over earth. He offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world in his temptation. But after the resurrection, after the cross and after the resurrection, now the glorified Jesus, God the Father, grants to Jesus authority in every sphere of the universe, including heaven and earth. That all authority now is his. Only God the Father is an authority over the Son. Everything else is under him. So we work, we minister in authority and empowerment that Jesus' glorious person bestows upon us. Notice what the essence of the mission then is, secondly. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, I'm going to guess most of you know this verse. Okay, this is a verse, it's one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. But it is very easy to miss what it is essentially saying because the Greek, like English, uses tenses of words to emphasize primary meaning. Okay, so in a verse like this, you can see there's all these doings that we're supposed to be doing, but one of these things is an imperative and everything else is participle. One thing is what we're to do Everything else is the means to that end. So if we look at that, if, if we look at this verse, what is the prime directive? What is the imperative? What do you think? Yeah. I heard go. Wrong answer. Make disciples is the imperative in that verse. 
What is it that we are to be primarily doing, focused on? Make disciples. In fact, if you want to break it down this way, you can see, was this up here already and I didn't notice? Okay, some of you are like, I'm so smart. No, it's here for you. Circled in red is, okay, there is the, uh, the imperative, and then you have these participles, baptizing, uh, going, and teaching, that explain the process of how to make disciples. So make disciples. This is a command. If anybody says, hey, what's a church about? A church is about making disciples. At least a biblical one is. A healthy one is. Here's how we say it here. Our mission is to make fully devoted followers of Jesus whose lives are all about him. Bethel Church. Now, if that's the mission, okay, if you work for a company that makes a widget, you better know what the widget is. And for us, the widget is, is making disciples. But what is a disciple? Like, how would you know if somebody is a disciple or not? The word means to follow after somebody else. To follow after somebody else. In fact, Matthew, who wrote this, is a great example. Jesus comes to him. He was a tax collector. Jesus comes to him. There he is at the table, and he says, follow me. And Matthew's like, Okay, <laughs> he leaves all the money on the table and he follows after Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. If you are a disciple here, we can summarize your entire life. I'm a follower of Jesus. I follow his teaching, I follow his truth, I follow his example, I want to please him. That's what it means to be a disciple. So if that's the mission, making disciples, we have these other participles in here that get to means to doing that, okay? What are they? Notice the go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. If I say to you, hey, go, it means that you are stopping doing what you're currently doing and you're going off to do something different. That is a summary word for Jesus' priorities to become our priorities. Things that I would otherwise be doing and prioritizing and living for, I'm now living for what Jesus has called me to live for. This is the big deal in my life. To think about over the centuries, all that is summarized by that word going, all of the sacrifices of God's people, all of the sufferings of God's people as they have died to themselves, they have taken up their cross and said, I am following Jesus, that's what it means to go. We're to make, make disciples. When are we done doing this? There's two possibilities. When every single person on planet Earth is a disciple of Jesus or Jesus has come back. Now, I'm confident Jesus has not come back and I know, I know plenty of people to make me be convinced that not every person on planet Earth is a Christian. Amen? Okay. Okay. Maybe some of you here today. I don't know. So we're still on mission is the point. We have not fulfilled what Jesus has called us to do. So go. He says, baptize them. Okay? We talk about this. We're going to be baptizing here at this campus next Sunday. The outward sign of inward faith and active obedience to Jesus. Teaching them to uh, observe all that I have commanded you. This is that, that discipleship role. Okay? Don't miss this. Christ, the Christian life is not merely becoming a Christian. The Christian life is becoming more and more like Jesus. Okay? We talk about that moment where you become a disciple. That's evangelism. That's conversion. I now have, I have, I have pledged my allegiance to Jesus. But that is not the end of the story, is it? Now, it's a lifelong 
journey of following after Christ, of what we call progressive sanctification, the Christian life, as I am more and more being made into the likeness, the attitudes and the actions of Jesus. And we don't get there until we die, okay? So all of us here are still in process. Local churches have to understand it's the multiplying, it's the making, and it's the maturing, okay? It's not just the beginning, it's not just the end. Churches that just focus on evangelism likely get new converts, but they remain in immaturity their entire life. Other churches focus only on the maturing, and they eventually die out from attrition because there's never anybody new that comes to Jesus, right? A healthy church is both. That's the point here. A healthy church is about the making of disciples, the beginning of the process, but also the maturing of the disciple, the growing of the disciple. And all of us here are one or the other. We are in process. This is why our radio program, is called, it's called The Journey. Because <laughs> the Christian life is a journey, isn't it? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe uh, thus far, and grace will lead me home. That is the Christian life. And so a church, a healthy church, a biblical church, is going to be about both of those things. Okay, are you with me? Have I been faithful to the text? All right, now, this brings us to some exciting news today, okay? And it brings us to uh, this mysterious symbol that we put up here last week and said, hmm, what do you think it is? I've had all kinds of theories, by the way, proposed to me about what this is symbolizing. I won't tell them to you, because I don't have time. Uh, but this is what it means. You ready? Okay? This means more and better. This is the next chapter for Bethel Church. More and better disciples, multiplying disciples in northwest Indiana. More is evangelism. More is reaching people. Better is growing and deepening. More conformity to the likeness of Christ. This is a healthy church. This is the Great Commission, and this is what our leaders, and I stand here, really, I'm representing our elders, our pastors, what our leadership believes is the next chapter for our church. And by the way, do you see the M and the B in there? It's a little bit... Uh, you see that? That's what that is, okay, just to be clear. You might be looking at that going, I don't get that. Okay, there's an M on the top and there's a B down below. There you go, okay? Oh, they're like, oh, now I understand. All right, so I'm going to walk through these. We are going to take a break from our live stream, and the campus leaders are going to explain at each of our campuses more specifically what this means at at your campus, and I'll talk here at Crown Point, and then we're all going to come back together again for some final words from me. So what is more and better? Pastor Brad shared some of the really amazing fruit that God has been bearing in our church. We are profoundly thankful for that. We give him glory for that. As he said also, it's great, but it creates challenges. And what I'm going to share here today is addressing both the challenges for where we are and the dreams of what we aspire to be, okay? Because we are not done yet. Because not everybody's a Christian and Jesus hasn't come back yet. We are not done. God is not done with Bethel Church. In fact, I think the next chapters might be the very best ones yet. So with that said, let me walk through what we are suggesting here. It was 
Five years ago that we began our first multi-site. Three years ago we added our third and our fourth campus. And since then we've really been building and strengthening at each of our campuses. And we're just, we got a great team, great leaders, so many great things going on. But we've been maturing, to use that word. We've been maturing at our, at our campuses. And this has been a tremendous year, as Pastor Brad shares. But we look at Northwest Indiana and we see some great gospel opportunities that we have not yet uh, tapped into. And specifically, on this point, we think that the time has come for us to do another campus, okay? Another campus, another congregation. And uh, if you think of us geographically, we got one to the southwest, we got one to the, in the northeast, we've got one in the north. There is so much population to the northwest. Like from here to Wisconsin is like people, isn't it? <laughs> and we don't know what God would have. I've said this before, God opens doors and then we go where he leads. But as I stand here today, we kind of look to the northwest and we see communities where a Bethel church, some of the leadership we already have here that live in those communities, we think could profoundly impact those communities for Christ. And so we'd like to prayerfully move towards another geographical campus. Now listen, not only are we pursuant to a geographical campus, we are also pursuant to a language-specific congregation. And what I mean by that is, in Northwest Indiana, we have this incredible diversity. 74,000 people in Northwest Indiana go home and speak a language other than English. 74,000. That's like a city in itself, isn't it? And to look at so many people with that language comfort, that cultural connection that the language provides, what if we did another campus congregation that was primarily ministering in the language most comfortable to them? And two that we are presently uh, pursuing uh, is a Spanish-speaking congregation, huge uh, population here that primarily most comfortable in the Spanish language, and also a Mandarin-speaking congregation. And of all the ones that I, the two that I've shared, actually it's the Chinese one that presently has the most potential and most possibilities, uh, and we are already working on, on that one. So I share that, and, and again, we lay our plans before the Lord and we say, God, lead, but this is in our heart, okay? This is in our heart. This is our Jerusalem, and God has called us to our Jerusalem. So in the past, I said, hey, you know, we think we might want to do a campus, and God opens up Cedar Lake. We said, hey, we think Gary and maybe something in the Portage community, and God totally opened the door for those as well. All we're doing is saying, God, here we are, we're willing, we want to set the stage, and we need you to open some doors, and we'll see what he does. But wouldn't it be cool to have Bethel Church Espanol? Pretty awesome. And would that mean that we are, as a church, on mission, making more and better disciples? Okay? Amen. All right. So that's the first initiative. Here's the second. We're going to cast our eyes to the, to the Gary campus. And you may or may not realize that 
A couple years ago, we established out of our Gary campus the City Life Center of Gary. Okay, this is an independent, nonprofit uh, organization. They have their own executive director, their own board, but we are a very, very, very close partner with them. And uh, God has done some really wonderful things uh, through this ministry. So this is, this is sort of our asymmetrical ministry uh, there where they're more community-based, more community, um, I don't know if aligned is the right word, but to give you an example of some of the things that, we're, that we have going there, uh, all summer they run camps, camps for kids there at the, at the Gary campus. I know they did a basketball camp. Cliff Livingston led the basketball camp for us uh, this summer at, uh, at our Gary campus. We have an after-school program. Monday through Friday, we have around 100 kids that go to that facility, and we've got programs for, for kids there. Of that around 100, currently 75 of them, roughly, are staying for our church ministries, Awana and Verge, after the after-school program is done, which was actually part of our maybe dream that it would be a way to kind of connect with them and to get them into the ministries of the church. So we're very thankful to see how that trend is taking place. We also are feeding children and young people there. Over the past 12 months, the City Life Center has fed 17,000 hot meals in downtown Gary. 17,000 hot meals. Okay. So we're excited about what God's doing there. Here's the challenge. The City Life Center gets, can get funding, and they've had grants and funding from public and uh, private sector, but the funding is for programming. Okay, they say, the state says, here, you can use this money for this, and it has to stay in the program. All the while, the City Life Center has general operational expenses that, they, that the funding does not help them with. They need help. With that, So our second initiative, we want to raise money to help with the operational expenses of the City Life Center, and we think that by raising dollars for them, we may have more and better ministry going on in the city of Gary. Third, okay, and I'm going to spend a little more time on this one because it requires some explanation, but let's talk about the Crown Point campus a second, okay? Brad shared some details about what's been going on here at Crown Point, and of the growth, most of the numerical growth has occurred here at this campus. So if we go back in time, we built this auditorium and moved in in May of 2000. Okay, when we moved in, we thought this is the, you know, the Taj Mahal. This is like the, we can't, you know, it's like, wow, it's so great. But as Brad has shared, over time, we've been like cramping in here and adding services and tweaking things and trying to to meet the needs. God has richly blessed the Crown Point campus. And uh, so presently our attendance here requires three services. We cannot do it in two. Uh, and so we have an 815 service, we have a 940 service, we have an 1115 service. The first and the third services, not family-friendly service times. The middle service time, perfectly family-friendly, middle service Packed, okay, packed. And so we have been looking at this and kind of saying, okay, what are we going to do? In fact, Brad, who kind of runs the kind of number watch last May, I think, met with the elders and kind of was waving the flag going, hey, this is unsustainable. We've got to figure something out. 
So what could we do? Well, here's what a lot of churches will do. They get to this point and they say, we're going to build a new auditorium. The estimate for a new auditorium for our campus at this stage of our growth would be 12 to $15 million. Okay? That's a big number, isn't it? It's a very big number. And there are many fine churches, that's what they do. Okay? Nothing wrong with them and nothing wrong with that approach, but, and that's, that's what they do. So this last summer, we started looking at the geometry of this building. And when we built this building, for whatever reason, we built a very tall building. It's even taller than it appears here. There's, I don't know, I'm sure how many feet above this hung ceiling, but there is all kinds of space. And we began looking and, and we discovered that there are huge crevices in the shell of our building, and it got us thinking, I wonder if we could expand our seating capacity with the existing auditorium and utilize space that we accidentally built 18 years ago to maybe address the needs that we have here in 2017. So we floated the idea to the elders. The elders said, you know, let's hire a company to do a feasibility study. So we hired an architectural firm. They came in, they measured, they looked around, they poked around, they said, we think you're onto something. So the elders allocated money for the next level of drawings where they really drill down and get it, you know, like figured out. And our architectural uh, firm has uh, confirmed to us that we are able to expand this auditorium that we're in right now by 500 seats from 1,000 seating auditorium to 1,500 seat auditorium without adding a square foot to the actual footprint of our building. And the cost of this, like all in, at this point, looks to be somewhere around $1.8 million. And all the Dutch people said, <laughs> amen, amen to that. Would you like to see some pictures? All right, so this is what our architectural firm has given us as a picture of what this auditorium can do without adding any square footage and utilizing these spaces. And you'll see that essentially uh, we are expanding the balcony and bringing it along on the sides here. And uh, there, that's 1,500 seat auditorium right there that you see, okay? So we're pretty excited about that. We're excited about Dustin's attire on the stage there. <laughs> So here's another picture, just a little different angle that they gave us to show you what that could look like. But I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Like that to me is, is stewarding what you got, making the most of what you got, and uh, saving us money to put in other places in ministry. And so we are, uh, I'll share more about this in our Crown Point little chat that I'm going to do in a moment, but we think that with what God's doing right now, this will help us make more and better disciples here at the Crown Point campus. All right, while we're still at Crown Point, our fastest growing ministry is the student ministry, okay? The student ministry here. <laughs> to give you an idea of what's going on, here's a graph of the last just couple years. We call it Verge, okay? The Verge student ministry. But here's a graph that shows the... Uh, 
it, it's, I mean, they're, they're literally off the charts. We can't even show it on the screen. <laughs> All right. Well, and I don't actually have the numbers in front of me, but I can tell you that it's, uh, is Brad here? Brad might know the number. I don't know. I believe that we have around uh, north of 400 young people every week here at, our, at this campus. And uh, I was going to show you a picture of what that looked like this last week. We had 306 middle schoolers in the Student Ministry Center. Oh, there you go. Okay. So uh, give you an idea of just how packed we are. That building, was, it was never made for that kind of number of kids. So our initiative here is, again, like the auditorium, we've got space up there that we can push out, expand, pull this wall out, remodel it, make the most of what we got to get them the space that they need to reach young people for Christ. And we're excited about what God's doing in the student ministry. Okay, let's talk about Cedar Lake Campus. Okay, Cedar Lake Campus. You may recall that we, a couple years ago, built a new auditorium there at the Cedar Lake Campus. And we love it. It's great. Everybody's enjoying it. Here's the downside. You leave that auditorium and you go down into the children's uh, space and it's like walking back in time. Like to my childhood. Which there's nothing wrong with my childhood. Do not get me wrong. But... <laughs> It is outdated, it is cramped, it's in the basement under the old auditorium, and I don't know if we, the, our screen isn't working very well. Do we have in the next, okay, okay. This, here's the main hallway. Okay, I can touch both sides like this. This is the main hallway for all the families. And the rooms, you'll get an idea, I think the next slide, okay. The paneling look went out a long time ago. <laughs> it just needs to be redone. Okay, and so we'd like to raise money towards making better and more disciples amongst the children of our church. Let's talk about Gary, okay? Praise God for Gary and what God's doing there. Pastor Dexter's rocking it. It's really wonderful, okay? But we need a new roof. Does that sound spiritual? I don't know, but we need a new roof. And roofs are great until you need a new roof, Maybe with the storms here today, you're going to go home and find out just how important a good roof is. And we've been bleeding money, bandaging, bandaging, bandaging. We just need a new roof there. So we'd like to raise money for a new roof. We also, if you've ever been to our Gary campus, parking, it's kind of like a search and rescue mission because we do not have, we don't really have a parking lot there. And so it's kind of on the street, on the sidewalk, but we do own a half acre lot to the south. It's adjacent to our um, our facility, and we would just like to provide a parking lot for them. And I think there's a picture of what it currently looks like. It's sort of a rock and stone and weed thing. And uh, we would like to just provide a parking lot that the City Life Center can utilize during the week as well. And that's what's going on at the Gary campus. Let's talk about Hobart, okay? Our HP, Hobart Portage campus. You might remember that uh, a few days after we merged with Central Baptist there, Okay, we merged with them. In the merger, they, they graciously gave to us the facility. It was a few days after that that there was a microburst storm, apparently right over our campus. And the whole south wing of the, of the facility flooded. 
And we, uh, we lost the gym, we lost these rooms. It was kind of like really just a few days after this. So that, that's what happened. So what we did is we, uh, uh, engineers came and redesigned the water flow so that will never happen again. And a few of the large classrooms, we just basically cut the drywall and closed the door and said, someday. <laughs> What's happened is that since we opened at that campus, that campus has grown by 65%, okay? So it is really rapidly growing. It is our highest adult-child ratio campus, so tons of kids. And uh, the spaces where the children's ministry are uh, are cramped, and yet we've got these rooms that are just sitting there needing to be remediated from the flood that we can use. So we want to, we want to basically do that and reclaim those spaces for children's ministry at the HP campus. Okay? Why are we going to do that? More and better disciples. That's why we want to do it. So that's basically what I'm sharing here today. So just to uh, evaluate or uh, to summarize, we have these goals. We have future campuses, congregation, geographical and linguistic. We have the City Life Center. We have this Crown Point Auditorium and the student ministry we have the uh, Cedar Lake, we have our children's ministry, the Gary opportunity, and the HP, uh, the HP needs that we want to address. So that is more and better. So what we're going to do right now is we're actually going to take a break. Okay, so the campuses are going to break off, and they're going to have a chat, and I'm going to, I'm going to chat here at Crown Point. So we'll see you in just a minute. Okay, now it's just us. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Just want to talk a little bit more about, uh, about Crown Point, a, f- a, few, a few details. Let's go ahead and put that picture back up here just to let you look at that and maybe visualize uh, the space here. Here's what I love about this. This is a stewardship plan, okay? This is a stewardship plan. Stewardship is where you, you steward what God has given you and you make it the most it can be for the glory of God. And God has granted us this space, and we want to make the most of it for the glory of God. And to me, I look at that, and it doesn't look like, you know, some churches you go into, and it looks like, okay, they added on here, and they got this little thing over there, and it looks like a maze. That looks like we meant it from the first thing, doesn't it? So I love that, and I'm, uh, I'm excited that somehow this has come uh, together. So we are... Uh, we're also excited because if, if we're able to do this successfully, we would like here at the Crown Point campus to go to two services, okay? Now, why do I say that? Remember what I said earlier. We have one service that has a, friend, a family-friendly time, and we have two services that are not family-friendly time. By having this capacity, at least for the short term, we would be able to go to two services, both of them family-friendly, you know, appealing to everybody, uh, there would not be that kind of uh, issue anymore. Um, this would also help our volunteers. Praise God for like our hospitality team, the worship team, the children's ministry. But if you sign up for a Sunday right now, you're here from like 7.45 to 12.45. <laughs> That's a long morning. And we're fa- thankful so many people do it. But it would help us with our volunteers. It would also help us with the feel of our services. Like this service always feels sort of vibrant and full. But the other two, not as much. Further, oftentimes after first service, I say, 
you people, do not talk to anybody. Get in your car right now. We're running late. And they rush out so that you have places to park. We wouldn't have to do that anymore. You could actually talk to people after the services. So we look at all of that, the growth of the church, utilizing the space that we have, and we think this is a win on all kinds of levels for us. You know what, I just realized that I forgot something. I forgot something. How could I forget one more thing? How about one more thing? A little bonus here. I forgot to mention that this is also part of the plan right here. Oh, yeah. And, and notice uh, men's too, but it doesn't matter that much. Now, I don't know that this is going to make more and better disciples, but it will make more happier women in the church for sure. So we are, we are going to do that. Okay, a few more details. If this is successful, our, our desire would be to start this after Easter, okay? After Easter, 1st of April, and to get it done by All About Him Sunday, uh, end of August, okay? So the summertime attendance is the lowest, because we would probably, for some period of time, lose the balcony and maybe some other spaces. So I'll just tell you right now, to do this, we're all going to have to be a little flexible, okay? So the big signs, pardon our dust, and don't walk here, and hard hat required, and all that stuff. But I think that's fun, right? It's fun. It's like, ah, signs of life here. So that's, uh, that's the plan, and we'll see. We'll see what God does. All right, I think now everybody, we're all back together. So HP, I hope you loved what you heard. Cedar Lake as well. And I want to just spend a little time talking with everybody about uh, some of the details here. Because there's a question you're all asking in your mind, right? It's great to throw all these things up there, but in the end you're kind of like, like, how much is this going to cost, Right? So here is a list of the individual costs, as best we can estimate them, for what we have shared. And we're going to give you um, some literature as you leave that will have this in it, so you don't have to you know, try to add them all up in your brain, because if you add all these up right now, we're essentially talking about a total cost for all of this of $3 million. And we are prayerfully hoping that we can raise from our church family $3 million. So I need to ask you, friend, will you be part of fulfilling the Great Commission in the church that you are a part of as we seek to make disciples and to make better ones? And so we're just going to ask you to pray about this. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking more about it. As you leave today, you're going to receive uh, this uh, more and better. It's a guidebook for all of this. It's going to have a lot of the information that I've shared today, uh, some pictures. On page 17, there is a commitment card, okay? There's a commitment card here, and it just is, you know, asks for some information, and it asks uh, what you might be willing to do for more and better, for all these things that we're uh, presenting today. And you might say, well, why do I got to fill that out? Here's why. Jesus said, before a man builds a tower, does he not count the cost? The only way that we can know whether we should be 
doing any of these things is if we know that the dollars and the monies and the support of the people are behind it. And the only way we can know is if you tell us. And so this is our best way of communicating for you to communicate with us what you're willing uh, to do. I need to emphasize also, this has to be over and above general fund giving. Okay? You say, well, why? If all this is is people taking general fund giving and giving it to more than them, it, it does no good, honestly. Because <laughs> it, in a sense, there's one pot, right? So it needs to be over and above your normal giving uh, to the Lord, for which we are tremendously thankful. And we're having a wonderful financial year as a church, and we praise God for that. Uh, but by filling this out, you can let us know, and then we know where we're at and what we can do. So starting next Sunday, we're going to have at all the campuses um, boxes where you can submit these. And you might be like, hey, I already know what I'm going to do. Well, then fine, put that in there. But December 10th is the date that we're asking for all of these to be in. You can fill it out online at the, at the website, BethelWeb.org. There's a form there if you're digitally savvy and you want to do it that way. That's totally fine. Uh, but we just are asking that you pray about it, okay? Would you just pray about it? Ask the Lord, would you have me to do something, and what might that be? So we're going to talk about it in the next coming weeks. After this service is done at all our campuses, because there was a lot there, you may have questions about any aspect of it. We're going to have leaders down front who... Um, if they don't know the answer, they can get you the answer to the question that you might have. So feel free to come down and chat with us about what we're doing. But a reminder here at the end, why are we doing what we are doing? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is why we are doing what we're doing. Amen? Amen.